T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Long time friend of mine, John Kurtz, our K-State insider and host of 3 Mall. On KC Sports Network, that's a creative name, uh, John. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's maybe the best professional accomplishment uh, I've had in my career was playing a part in coming up with that name. I actually don't remember which one of the three of us specifically came up with that, but uh, yeah, I, I like it a lot. K State's been uh, Chris Kleiman. I mean, what, what a home run hire that's been. I, I think Kansas actually went to that script of Lance Leipold. To be honest with you, you know, get somebody that's actually proven to be a winner. <laughs> and has won national titles, and he's done a great job. But uh, bizarre game. It, I love the fact that it's the first game ever, what first bowl game ever in Florida, and the K State fans uh, seem to be going there in thousands. Yeah, I, I was as a a fan and a media member who attended uh, a bunch of these games. In fact, I just tallied it up the other day. I think it was like twelve bowl games I've been to. There's so many of the same ones over and over again. You know, I mean, if I if I never go to the Liberty Bowl again, I will die a happy man. You drive uh, there, so though. It was, nice, it, was, it was nice to get some new ones in the mix. That is one thing, you know, I, I like a lot of what Brett Yormark has done, most of what Brett Yormark has done. But I would put high on the list of things that I would like to see there is to freshen up the, uh, the bowl rotation. But this was a welcome change for K-State fans. Really wanted to go there in 2019 when, in fact, they got stuck to the Liberty Bowl instead. Uh, they had a better record and beat Iowa State that year. Um, had a better record than them and beat them. And Iowa State got to play Notre Dame in this bowl game. And, and K-State got to go to the Liberty Bowl to play Navy. So that was, uh, that was a pretty crappy deal for K-State back then. But, yeah, I think K-State fans are welcoming uh, not only a new environment to go explore a bowl game, but also the fact that this one feels different. You know, I mean, this is the, this is the first time that K-State has had a bowl game that really feels like it is the, the start of next season as opposed to the end of this year because – there's been some change with the roster. Biggest, of course, at quarterback in the Avery Johnson era. You've got Connor Riley now taking the the reins as offensive coordinator. Not permanently yet, but I would expect that to be the case as long as things don't go disastrously uh, in the bowl game for the offense. And there's going to be so many young playmakers that we'll get a chance to uh, to see for the first time, too. So it really does feel like it's got a different sort of edge to it because you're going to see a lot of what the, the 2024 edition of this team is actually going to look like. The uh, Pop-Tart Bowl starts 445, Orlando, Florida, 67 degrees there. Now, Lane Kiffin had made comments, and he, he's definitely taken advantage of the transfer portal. I mean, he's not he's not shying away from that. But it's kind of like the NFL during the playoffs if they had free agency then. Because just the fact you can't see a Will Howard, in, 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 the transfer portal's open, you got all these players that left. It's such a bizarre feeling um, it has been even for you, the covering a team like you, you do to have these players that can hit the portal before their bowl game. 
it is weird, man. I mean, it's it's just a wild, wild west sort of feeling, and especially now with the NCAA coming in and allowing multi-time transfers now without any sort of yeah, issue either. Long. It used to be you could kind of feel like, hey, like, all right, if you've got a guy who's in your program that's already transferred before, you you can feel secure with that. Now you've got to make sure that you're re-recruiting all of those players too. Uh, you know, and even after these bowl games, like there's still a little bit of a window there for guys to, to enter the transfer portal. So it just feels like you're, you're constantly, constantly uh, re-recruiting that roster. And, you know, I mean, I think K-State has done a pretty good job for the most part. I know there's been a lot made about all the transfers that they had. A, a lot of those, you know, I think this is where a couple of things are happening. One, people are just still getting used to the new reality of college football where it's you're going to have guys transferring and it's not just because yeah, players can leave. It's also because coaches are kind of encouraging guys like, Hey, you're probably not going to play. Like it's going to be in your best interest to leave. And you know, the majority two thirds to three quarters of the players that have left K-State's program this off season have been those guys. Now I won't deny, you know, like Kobe Savage. I think that one really caught them off guard. I think that was pretty NIL driven. Uh, he's now going to Oregon. And I think that really opened up uh, some eyes on the staff about how much they're going to really have to pump into NIL. But you know, it's a lot of things. Nate Matlack left and went to Pitt because he felt like he wasn't a, a 3-4 defensive end. He's too small for that and wasn't as effective because of it. And then, frankly, I think he's right. And then K-State went out and got a 290-pound Juco defensive end. So there's a lot of stuff like that happening. Um, and that that's what you can do. You know, it goes two ways, I guess, is the point that I would make on that. It's not just guys leaving for greener pastures. It's also the coaches being like, hey, man, this is going to be better for you. We feel like we can upgrade here. Um and that that's the reality of it right now. So uh, for K-State to hang on to Avery Johnson and, and basically all the playmakers on offense with Colin Klein leaving as the offensive coordinator, I think was, uh, was one heck of an accomplishment. Yeah, no question. I am curious though, cause uh, Will Howard, uh, you know, on his way to uh, play with Lincoln Riley in USC and Jake Rubley that he never really got to, to see their Kansas state going to Illinois state now. Does that change things with Miller Moss for USC throwing for six touchdowns yesterday? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a really interesting storyline because there, there, were, there were a couple reports, and I, I guess I put in air quotes reports that have been out there on Twitter about Will and USC. I mean, I know for a fact he did visit there, I think it was two weekends ago, he, he on his Instagram story. You could see that. He was at the Coliseum. So he visited there, but – there was never any confirmation that he had actually committed. And then the okay. latest report that we saw from on three was that he was considering Ohio state USC and, or the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, that's something I've been hearing the whole time was that the NFL was, was also still a, a possibility here. And he seems to be really careful about what he's doing. And yeah, if I would have watched that game, that would give me a lot yeah. of second thoughts there because is he, you know, look, I love Will Howard. I think he's a very effective quarterback and, and he takes too much crap from a lot of K state fans, but you know, is he that much better than what we saw from Miller Moss yesterday? I, I'm really not sure. You know I mean? Will, I think, is a guy that can be really good if you put a lot of weapons around him. Like, that's what he was in 2022. He was incredibly effective uh, for K-State with a bunch of weapons around him. They weren't quite as good around him this past year, and he struggled a little bit more. So he, he's not a guy that I think is going to go in there and, like, really elevate a bunch of dudes himself. But if you have a ready-made roster, he can absolutely sling the ball around and get it to your weapons. So – I don't know. If I were him, that would that would give me a lot of pause, and I, I really, frankly, don't have a great feel for what's going to happen with that at the end of the day now. Yeah, I, I didn't know either yet because he hasn't uh, formally said anything about it, but it was always thought to be uh, USC. All right, let's talk about what the, the, the now, the future with Kansas State, with Avery Johnson. Um, it's a guy that, uh, you know, got some playing time, then it kind of backed off him uh, a little bit. The guy provides a spark. I 
he literally, when he touches the football, it's like lightning. Anything can happen when he's got the football. He's an exciting player to watch. What's K-State got uh, in the future here with Avery? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this, <laughs> the ceiling is as high as you want to you want to put it for him. Like, I think he is that kind of talent, like generational talent uh, at quarterback for K-State. And everybody obviously has seen the legs. I mean, that's what you're referring to. He comes yeah. in against Texas Tech and has a five-touchdown game, uh, just lights them up on the ground. All he needs is a sliver of space, and he's going to be gone. He's just got elite, elite speed. Pretty darn elusive, too. Um, but he can really throw the ball. I mean, if you go back and watch his highlights at Mays High School in Kansas, like, He's making a lot of off-platform throws. He's kind of that new generation of quarterback, different arm angles, off-platform stuff. And he's got an arm. And he has shown it a couple of times. There were a couple of throws in the TCU game in particular when he played, and that was the game where he was rotating. They basically perfectly rotated back and forth series with Howard and, and Avery Johnson and, and really lit them up. But he dropped a couple in the bucket to Jace Brown, who's another true freshman that, that's getting a lot of run right now at wide receiver and had a really nice season. Um, he can absolutely throw it. And I think he wanted to throw it more than – what he was allowed to do this year by Colin Klein. I legitimately think there was some frustration there with how Colin used him uh, throughout the year. He does not want to be a running quarterback. He wants to be a, a guy that can sling it, that can also utilize his legs when needed. And so my hope is that you see that today. Uh, the other thing that I will say about him is just that, I mean, he's a sponge. He is somebody that they, they just rave about his attitude, how much he studies the game. He got there early uh, for spring ball last year to learn everything he can. Like he is very much just the perfect kind of attitude. And I think that was reflected in what happened when, when Colin Klein left, there was never really any wavering from him. I, I think within his camp, uh, perhaps there was more of a desire to, to maybe explore some things, but Avery basically shut that down and he was, he was going to stay put at, uh, at K state and give this thing a shot. So he's, he's, I cannot tell you enough, like I cannot list enough superlatives about everything that he is going to potentially bring to the table. I will be very interested to see what the offense looks like because Connor Riley's an offensive line coach. I think there's always going to be a little concern there. Right? Is this, is this dude going to rely too heavily on the run game? Chris Kleiman says he wants to keep it uh, basically in house right now because they've had so much success offensively. And Connor Riley had been the run game coordinator. He knows the offense. But I think they need to show Avery, like, hey, man, we're going to let you throw the ball. We're going to let you utilize some of these weapons that you have, like Jace Brown, Trace Spivey, uh, who's Junior Spivey's kid that's a pretty big, good-looking wide receiver that they have that's a young one um, that we'll get a chance to see today, not for the first time, but for the first time in a while. So let's see. Let's see what that offense looks like. I'm very, very intrigued. Can Ben Sennett play for the Chiefs next year? Would that just be the perfect fit, man? <laughs> Would that be the perfect fit for Andy Reid? He's definitely a stud. I mean, he's, he's going to be a really good player for somebody. And that is one of the things, you know, in the bowl game, he, he's opting out. He's not going to play in the yeah. bowl game. Phillip, Phillip Brooks won't either. So there, there are a couple weapons down offensively. And those are the guys that Will Howard really leaned on the entirety of the season. Um, they didn't get as much as they expected out of Keegan Johnson, who I think still has a really high ceiling, battled some injuries and wasn't as productive as they wanted him to be. So it was definitely Senate that was the safety blanket. And then really Phillip Brooks – kind of is what he is he's not super dynamic at receiver but he's pretty reliable and uh they had to rely on him a ton but yeah i mean senate is great and he's going to go on to have a, a tremendous professional career and i would also say keep an eye today on garrett oakley who's oakley a tight a tight end that i think they feel like might have a higher ceiling than senate at really? least in terms of being just a pure pass catcher he's not as big he's a little more fluid of an athlete and he flashed a, a, at a couple points this year but there, I, I heard whispers early on this season in practice about they were like, man, this Garrett Oakley kid is going to be really good. Um, 
So he's another one. He's another one that I'm really excited to see what the connection is going to look like between he and Avery Johnson today. Yeah, I enjoyed watching Ben all year. Uh, what about next year when you, when you look at the uh, Big 12? Obviously, not having Texas and, and Oklahoma in the Big 12. Is this going to be Kansas State's run? Is Kansas, you know, building themselves up? Obviously, Oklahoma State appears if, if Bowman can get that extra year of your eligibility. I don't know if he's going to get it or not, but Ollie Gordon's coming back. Uh, West Virginia seems to be on the right track as well. Is K-State going to be one of these teams you're talking about as the favorite team in the Big 12 each year? I think they should be in the conversation. I, I think next year the Big 12 like is going to be wild because to me there's like seven teams you could probably make a case for as, as a potential Big 12 favorite. Then you throw in unbalanced schedules, so you have to go through and look at everybody's schedule and that can wildly vary. For instance, West Virginia, they won nine games. I think there's a lot to like there, but if you go look at their schedule, to me, they've got five of the top six teams on their schedule next year. This year, they avoided most of the top teams, and and some of that nine wins is schedule-driven. So throw that in with the the tiebreaker thing, which the Big 12 clearly didn't have figured out this year. They're going to have to figure that out for next year. I don't – anything could happen. But, look, I mean, I think K-State, if Avery Johnson is as advertised, they should absolutely be in the mix there. I think their schedule is fairly tough. Now, they're going to get Arizona, but that's a non-con game technically because that had been scheduled out before, and that might help because Arizona is one of those teams. I would say like Arizona, Utah, Kansas, K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and maybe West Virginia. You you could all make a case for that they should be top-tier Big 12 teams, potentially the Big 12 favorites. And look, Kansas, that offense is going to be really salty. Devin Wingback is huge. I think he's excellent. I I would – Look, Ollie Gordon is great. I think Devin Neal is every bit as good as, as Ollie Gordon as a running back, and you combine that with those receivers. The, the thing with Kansas is offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, has been way up or way down uh, throughout his career, so it's hard to know what you're going to get there. And then, like, frankly, if Jason Bean were coming back, I think Kansas should be the Big 12 favorite. But Jalen Daniels, I don't know how you can trust that that guy's going to be healthy for an entire season, and I don't think Cole Ballard – has the type of ceiling to say that they would win the conference if he is going to be playing, but they do have a pretty favorable schedule. It's just to me going to come down to offensive coordinator and quarterback and how much can you really trust that? But the rest of the infrastructure is definitely there. I mean, Hey, Oklahoma state just finished off a 10 win season in what was supposed to be a rebuilding year for them. And they've got Ollie Gordon coming back. So you see, you can just go down the line and make cases for a bunch of teams next year in the big 12. Yeah. Jed Fish really has Arizona playing well. I can't wait for that. Uh, the, the game it's uh, tonight, the, uh, Oklahoma and Arizona. I think that'll be fun. Uh, the Pop Tarts Bowl. It's going to have a uh, edible mascot, John. Uh, <laughs> the first one we've seen. Um, I, I have questions. <laughs> I have questions. Now, this Pop Tarts going to be running around the stands, right? In in as an edible Pop Tart, but they're going to have to change the costume, right? At the end when the players eat the Pop Tart. Yeah, I don't. I, I have no idea how that's going to work. I was like, I guess I hope it doesn't rain. I haven't checked the forecast in in Orlando, but I don't know that anybody wants a soggy rainwater pop tart. I, I can tell you through the esteemed reporting of uh, colleague Kellis Robinette from the uh, Kansas City Star that it is a frosted strawberry pop tart that will be the edible okay. uh, pop tart mascot. So those brown sugar cinnamon fans like myself are a little bit disappointed in that, but at least we got. We got the word on what exactly that will be. I, I really don't know how that is going to go. Uh, but I will say they've done a great job embracing the gimmick and that trophy that they had with, you know, it's basically a toaster on top <laughs> yeah, of the cool. that they stuck in it. And that was great. And, like, if we're being honest, you can love it or hate it. But the reality is in today's day and age, if you want to get attention on your bowl game and you're not a New Year's Six Bowl, 
you got to just embrace the gimmick. I mean, we've seen it with dumping Cheez-Its on guys and the Cheez-It Bowl mascot that they've had. Obviously, the Duke's Mayo Bowl last night. Everybody's waiting around for that. So much so that USC, after winning the Holiday Bowl, tried to copy that. And they, like, dumped Mayo on Lincoln Riley. I mean, so that tells you how much traction the Duke's Mayo Bowl is making. And then now the Pop-Tarts Bowl, that's been uh, all over Twitter and everything. So, like, I think that's just kind of the the reality of where we're at right now. So, you know, there's a little little fun element to it, too, which I kind of like. Yeah, just looking forward to the end of the game. If if Kansas State wins, you know, Avery Johnson holding that giant six-foot Pop-Tart, whatever it is. (laughs) <laughs> and the rest of the team grabbing a piece of it. it could be epic, man. It could be epic uh, for the Wildcats. John, you'll be in tomorrow, right? Two to four, so you'll have some reaction on the K-State game. That That is correct. Very much uh, very much looking forward to that, getting uh, getting with my guy Rob. And, uh, yeah, we'll have you for a couple hours tomorrow, so make sure and tune in. Look forward to that. And, by the way, this Ben Senna, man, we've been talking about him all year in our, our draft show. We've been doing our podcast. <laughs> I wish he's played at this bowl game because, man, we he is like one of our favorite players, dude. He's just so reliable, so, so athletic. Like you just, yeah, he's a very fun player to watch. Very quick for his size. He's pretty big, you know, so he was a better blocking tight end, I think, than Garrett Oakley, who I was talking about, maybe having a higher ceiling behind him. He's just really versatile and a great story. Like he's definitely going to be a dude that works hard because he was not heralded at all coming no. in. Um, he was not drawing any attention at all when he came into K-State's program and kind of just exploded out of nowhere and don't be deceived like i think he was the first team all big 12 fullback they always like snuck him in yeah. at fullback so they could make sure he was getting all big 12 honors basically he, he is not a fullback that's that's a dude that's going to be a, a really good nfl tight end wasn't he going to go to north dakota state with Kleiman? like what they yeah, originally gonna go? i think he was going to go somewhere sure like that, that. I, see i was trying to think i i need to go back and double check this i couldn't remember if he was officially on scholarship when he first came into the program because i was thinking he may not have been uh, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But that tells you, I mean, like I didn't know anything about him when he showed up on campus, uh, and then he just exploded onto everybody's radar. Yeah, I thought there was some kind of connection. I couldn't remember what it was. But, John, we'll be watching that uh, game tonight, and then, of course, uh, you'll be in tomorrow. So looking forward to that. Happy New Year, my friend. Hey, same to you, Ben. Great to hear from you, man. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.